Welcome to the Augusta Golf Show podcast. Now, here's John Patrick. All right, Peter Kessler is an award-winning broadcaster, golf historian, joins us after major golf events. Give us his perspective. Always a pleasure to welcome my friend Peter Kessler back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, Peter? I am well. I am super pleased to be with you. And this was one of my favorite masters in a long time. All right. Well, let's start there. Why? John Rom. You know, I'm, I'm sure I mentioned to you the last time we did a show that, you know, I liked his chances a lot this last week because he was the best player in the world. And he's been winning on really good golf courses. You know, the Memorial, I mean the U.S. Open, you know, really quality stuff. And there's a resoluteness about his play when he is like he was this past week, where it's very circa Tiger 2000 to 2003-ish to me, where nothing's going to stand in my way. I'm absolutely getting this done. There isn't anything to think about. I have no baggage. I'm not worried about anything. This is mine. I'm going to get it, and I'm going to be realistic about the way I get it done. Now, if you compare that to, say, uh, Sebi in 86 when Jack ended up prevailing, when Sebi hit his second shot into 13 when he was leading the tournament that Sunday afternoon, he started celebrating. He started celebrating like the tournament was over. It wasn't over, and he didn't win. Ray Floyd did the same thing in the playoff year with Nick Faldo. He started celebrating on 16. Tiger never did any of that. Nobody, None of the great players started celebrating with, with holes left to play, and especially in a major championship in a place like Augusta where anything could happen. Rom four-putted his very first hole, and I thought to myself, it's not that bad. When I played that hole for the first time, I five-putted it, so he must be a very fine putter. And so right after that, it was like, it was as though he had made a three. He went right to the second tee. He hit the exact shot he intended to hit. He had incredible control over his golf game. Um, on, on the Sunday when he picked up six shots on Brooks Kepka, the third-round leader, it was just absolutely precision golf. And, you know, you know, Mickelson, you know, shooting the 31 on the backside. Well, Rom knew he could have shot 31 on the backside, too, if he had needed it. But he didn't need it because he did a four-day full A-plus examination on his, his, his test results. Absolutely resolute. All of the right things at the wrong, right time. Get more greens than anybody else. Hit the right number of fairways, made every important putt, even though he five putted, uh, three putted five times during the tournament. Very unusual for the tournament winner. But if you're the best ball hitter in a week like it just was at Augusta and you're middle of the field putting, which he was better than, you're going to win the golf tournament. How good do you think he can be? I think he's the best player in the game, and I think he's going to be the best player of his generation. I think he's going to, he's going to be better than uh, Matt, Rory McElroy. I think he's going to be better than Scotty Scheffler. He's 28 years old. He's only been a pro for six years. Um, you know, he's won that 21 times, 11 times on this tour and two majors. He's right behind Speed. You know, in terms of total, I think he's going to absolutely have a better career than Speed. I think he's going to win everything that's important over time. 
He is right now entering his prime, and his self-confidence, his absolute belief in what he is doing is, is, is what was impressive to me and what was Tiger-like. I've seen Jack do it. You've seen a few players do it where it's almost like there's a, a, a crazy storm and tornadoes going on around them, and Rom's marching right through the calm spot for what everybody else is flailing through the air. I just, the, 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 the aggressiveness of his swing, the ability that he hits hold off shots where his hands aren't turning over through impact, where it's trapping the ball without taking a deep divot and ensuring that it's going to have a left to right flight, the height of which he chooses for each shot. Take a look at 14 in the final round with an extremely difficult back left pin, 140 from the right edge of the fairway, takes eight iron. Remember, the air's heavier, you know, uh, this this whole past week. And uh, so, you know, when a recreational player, I can hit at 140, yeah, but not to where Rom hit it, yeah. not to four and a half feet. With this medium-low trajectory, starting it at the left edge, like 15 feet left of the hole, cutting it in exactly the right amount, it just a freaking clinic, as though he were putting on a demonstration rather than marching to what most players feel is the is the best tournament, the best championship to win. We're talking with Peter Kessler here on the Augusta Golf Show. Half the field, half the field that made the cut finished under par. Peter, do you think the course was a good test last week? I loved it so much it, it, because it was 10 tests, you know. Every 10 minutes, you know, is the most thing. Oh, you don't like the weather. Wait for 10 minutes. We're in certain places in the world. And it was just like that. They had to play through all the seasons of the year, basically. You know, by Sunday afternoon when the sun shone, it was, you know, like God came down and made the whole thing perfect. As the Sunday round unfolded, each, each hole, it got brighter out. Each hole, there were less clouds. Each hole, there were less layers to be worn. I mean, it was absolutely brilliant in that Sunday was totally set up for scoring. You know, they wanted a 31 on the back. I mean, they would have preferred it from the one of the two guys who was leading, but, you know, Brooks wasn't capable of it, and John didn't need it. And, um, you know, they both survived round three. That The two key rounds were, were one where it was super-duper scorable, no matter if you played in the morning or the afternoon, evidenced by Kepka and, and Rom being at different ends of the draw both shooting 65, and from there, it was just sort of building slowly on that. You know, Rom improved on it in the second round, and then they both shot 73 in a really tough third round, and then with a really super-duper playable golf course with most of the moisture sucked out, all of a sudden, it was a place where you could score. And so, you know, even though Phil... It wasn't in contention and just happened to be driving home and went, what do you mean I finished second? I wasn't even like, oh, did I make the cut? So that was, but that was just great. And it's great for him and the crowds. It's great for him and his PR. He kept his mouth shut. He didn't say stupid stuff. He didn't do stupid stuff. He didn't smirk. He didn't do anything that could make anybody uncomfortable about his entire persona and his personal and golf presentation this past week. He did wonders for his reputation by playing golf, by simply playing golf. So I thought that was fantastic. And, of course, you know, as you and I have talked about before with regard to live players and major championships now, that none of them have played in a golf tournament since the Open Championship last July. So, 
only a few players in history, Jones, Nicholas, Tiger Woods, really, would be able to go that long without playing at a proper competition and be able to make it through successfully a Sunday in a major championship. It's just not doable, and I've been saying so for the longest time. And, of course, next year, no live players will be in the majors unless they've won a, a major recently because none of them will be in the top 50 anymore. So slowly that starts to go away. But I thought it was great showing for Phil. And I think that all that happened to Brooks was we know that his, his back is better. He feels really good. He's got buyer's remorse about having joined Liv because he feels good. He knows why he didn't win. He didn't win because his game is rusty under pressure in big moments. His irons were iffy on Sunday. Remember, he shot three over. Rom shot 69. His putting was iffy from everything that I said was going to happen. And it's not because I'm a rocket scientist, even though I am. It's just that, you know, it just seems so obviously clear that the difficulty of making all the way through and then doing it against Rom, that's not going to happen. And it didn't happen. Exactly the way it was supposed to play out is the way it played out. The best player won. He, he, he won by playing the best golf, and the guy who was ready to challenge him, he hadn't played on Sunday for a while when it mattered, except at home with his dad. So it was a little, it was a, it was, it was a little bit too far of a reach for Brooks this past week. You mentioned this. Do you think? Do you think some of the live golfers regret their decision? Uh, yeah, the guys who. It's a funny thing. The guys who. It's a super duper small list, though. It's Brooks Kepka because he knows he could be playing the tour right now and he's still in his prime, and all of a sudden the back injuries that made him sign that piece of paper last year with Liv are not in play, and even he admitted he would have thought more than twice if he had been a healthy man last year. And then the other one is Cam Smith. You know, Cam Smith, too, he's 28 or 29 years old, and he's right in his prime, and it's not too late for him to work on his game. So those are the two buyers remorse guys. Guys like Harold Varner III, I think he's totally satisfied. You know, I mean, we, we, he talked about, you know, how going back many generations in his family, nobody had anything, and that this was a chance for him to pay generations in his own family forward. It's almost understandable, almost understandable. But on a relative basis, um, it, you can understand him making that decision because he wasn't, he's not in his prime. He's not going to be winning majors, but. Cam Smith and Brooks should be where the you know the rest of the good players are. So both of them have buyer's remorse, and uh, the rest of them don't matter because it, you know Dustin Johnson's you know a forty-ish, and he you know what did he do five tied for twenty? Was he twenty shots back? So he's not even liking anything anymore. So if you don't work on your game in an attempt to get ready to play competitive golf against the best players in the world, you can't just show up a few times a year and hope it all works out because. You haven't been in that crucible of competition recently enough, frequently enough to be able to handle it to the best of your ability and play your absolute best golf like Jack and Tiger and Jones would and did on Sunday afternoons. Before I let you go, I think Augusta National got exactly what they wanted out of moving the 13th tee. Good tee shot was rewarded. About as many birdies, fewer double bogeys. What What did you think about the results off of thirteen? I think it's. It, I think it's a subtle and fascinating subject because Fred Ridley, as loud as anybody in golf whose voice can be heard, was railing against the equipment that he too felt was ill suited for the field of play, and he couldn't get any kind of a yield 
or acquiescence from the USGA or from uh, the RNA. So he continued to buy up the, the town and continued to make the holes um, work for the equipment that the, the fellows are playing today. So he buys the ninth hole of Augusta Country Club, he, and he has 35 more yards to play with on the back tee. And he also made the tee higher, which I don't know if anybody referenced. But because it's higher, it means something important, which is if you're now hitting down to your target as opposed to um, at the same height as your target, as the ball comes down, it will come down more vertically and run forward less. So the additional 35 yards made it longer, and raising the tee made the trajectory of the ball play shorter. However, there were too many fours and fives. There were too many automatic layups. So what's going to happen, in my view, in the future is we'll see that tee again next year. We'll see that tee in 2025. In 2026, when the new use the new ball that goes back 20, 25 yards, that tee's not going to be used anymore. They're going to go right back down. They'll go back to the bottom, and they'll go back to the bottom of the back tee, and history, and tradition, and integrity, and, and, and what's good for the game will be restored. That tee is going to be gone in 2026 when they play the ball that Fred and everybody else who cares deeply about the game at the pro level wants it to play. He is Peter Kessler, award-winning broadcaster, golf historian, a good friend, a really good friend, and always gracious to do this after every golf uh, major championship. Peter, thank you for doing this. We'll talk again. I look forward to the pleasure. All good things to you and your family. I hope you had a happy Easter, and I wish you all the best going forward to those and everybody you love.